0: Welcome to this week's episode of Shit I Wish Someone Told Me, a series of conversations where my guests and I talk about all of the shit that we wish someone would have told us at some point or another, all of which relate back to the most important topic of all you and figuring out who that even is and knowing how to accept that person and being confident and who that person is so that you can be who you are here to be. I'm your host, John Ornay, certified evidence-based life coach specializing in behavioral t- change and teaching you research-backed techniques using brain science to help you finally feel good and become the person that you need to be in order to have the life that you want. And joining us today, we have Hannah Booth of Hannah Elise, that is H-A-N-N-A-H-A-L-Y-S-E-E, And what we're going to be talking about today is should I wish someone told me about toxic diet culture, specifically focusing on the many ways that it permeates our society today and the impacts it can have on your mental, physical, and emotional health with the goal of supporting you to create a healthy relationship with your body and with food. Just want to put it out there as a disclaimer we are not doctors this is not medical advice we are speaking from our own experience and if you are experiencing symptoms of disordered eating please do get help you can reach out to national or there's a plethora of resources online that you can do a quick google search and find and i also want to offer a trigger warning for this we are going to be talking about disordered eating and toxic diet culture so do what you need to do to take care of yourself that may be putting the pause button on this episode, stepping away, not listening to it. no harm, no foul. We are here to support you, not to trigger anything. so with all that being said, let me introduce you to our guest today. So Hannah Booth is an HR consultant, photographer, and videographer at Hannah Booth photo and Video and a wannabe influencer. She loves having meaningful conversations with incredible people, spending time outside, moving her body because it feels good, and because she desires to be strong, and most importantly, she is passionate about investing in her personal growth so that she can be a better human to her friends, family, community, and herself. And also, spoiler alert, Hannah is a client of mine, and so we are grateful that you are here today um, thank you for being here. Is there anything else that you'd like to add or mention before we get started?
1: No, uh, I don't think so. And I guess maybe just what qualifies me to talk about toxic diet culture is that, uh, you know, we'll talk about it in this whole entire process, but I've uh, been dieting since I was in fourth grade. I'm 28 now, so got a few years underneath my belt of dieting, and I apologize for the sound in the background. It's my dogs and my ring alarm, so, so you know
0: that's fine thank you for that okay cool so with all that let's dive in what is some shit that you wish someone would have told you about toxic diet culture
1: yeah so there's so much I wish that someone would have told me but obviously starting at a very young age I don't really understand the process of it all but I think that I wish I would have known just straight off the bat how negatively it would have impacted me as an adult and just the constant battle of trying to fight these thoughts that I have about dieting and around my body and really just always wanting to change my body. You know, I still struggle to this day. I've done a lot of healing, but I still struggle with every day waking up wondering how can I change my body? How can I make it look smaller? How can I make it look better? And, you know toxic diet culture is, is just that it lives and breathes in a lot of us. And it just really is a beast of a, an issue to tackle in your brain, because it just becomes the normal thought and the normal day to day thinking. And that's really hard to get through. Um, I really wish that I had known that fad diets do not work. Knowing that all the different diets that I tried, did not lead me to a healthy lifestyle, anything, they just kind of sent me down a spiral of always trying the next new diet to see if it would stick and it never really hitting that you know never really sticking for me and just understanding the mental health impacts of toxic diet culture not just the physical things that happen but how it affects you mentally you know kind of going back to like I was talking about that negative thoughts and those ruminations on your body but just the understanding of failure you feel when you don't you know complete a successful diet and So yeah, that's, that's a big, big explanation, but there's a lot of different things, but those are all the big ones that I wanted to to hit on. Yeah.
0: And thank you for sharing those. I think, and so listeners usually know this. Sometimes the topics are mine. Sometimes the topics are the guests. And this was a topic that you wanted to talk about. And I jumped on because I'm like, yeah, like there's, there's so much, right. And this isn't a comprehensive list. This is, you know, just some of the things that you wish someone had told you. And so I want to start to unpack those. And one of the first things that you mentioned is that you wish someone had told you just how negatively toxic diet culture would impact you. I know personally that growing up my mom was always on some kind of diet or talking about her weight. She was either counting her Weight Watchers points or, you know, talking about Jenny Craig or drinking slim fast for meals or just making negative comments about her body. And I think that on some level, that's something that most of us can relate to. And so, you know, would you share some of your experience with us so that we can get a feel of just how negatively it impacted you?
1: Yeah. So like I said, dieting at an early age, you know, especially in those formative years of you know, pre-adolescence, the fourth grade, fifth grade, about to go into middle school, about to really starting to recognize that your body is built different than others, you know, growing up in elementary school, People were chubbier, people were leaner, but we all kind of understood that once we hit that, once we hit puberty, we would all thin out, but my body just did not respond that way. And so naturally in the early 2000s, the quickest way or our immediate thinking was to go on a diet. And it was definitely, like you said, you you learned it from your parents. I think that a lot of women in our lives were always on diets. And so just seeing my mom too, on diets as well and it was just framed in a way in society for everybody to be on a diet because you need to be smaller you need to be skinny this would make you healthy if you were bigger if your bmi is larger then you are unhealthy you are going to get sick you are not desired by society's beautiful you know beauty standards and all these different things so you know feeling that as a child and in my adolescent years was very difficult for me because I just kind of always knew that I needed to watch what I ate. I always knew that I needed to just always be on a diet pretty much or some form of a diet and have my food controlled. Um, But I unfortunately didn't. And I, I, you know, I didn't know how to develop a healthy relationship with food that was rooted in the thought process of, you know, food is here for us to enjoy it's not inherently bad it's not inherently good it is just a way for us to nourish our body and how to discover that but i didn't really discover that and i'm still working on discovering that now uh this day at 28 but i've gotten a lot a lot better at it but those are some of the big negative things i think coming out of in the adolescent years and well into adulthood um with how i'm having to diet and constantly think about what i'm eating and really just understanding the the negative impacts that we were surrounded by and the influence that we had on social media. Well, we didn't have social media in the early 2000s, but we did have teen magazine. We did have Disney channel. We did have all the teen shows and everything like that. And there was always a constant reference to someone's body. And we still experience that to this day. I know we do, but I think the level that, you know, seeing that as a 12, 13, 14 year old girl seeing uh, another girl my age or similar to my age and comparing my body was just a norm for me. I remember looking at like Hillary Duff and I remember when she was not big at all, but I remember her just being blasted in, in such, you know, on the media, like in teen magazine and stuff like that. And I just thought, well, I don't think she's big. I feel like my body looks like hers, but when she gets blasted in the media like that, I felt that personally, I also was Big. I also needed to lose weight, so it's just like a perpetual cycle of that happening, and then also going to your doctor too, and your doctor telling you and telling your mom and telling your family she needs to lose weight, she needs to lose weight, her BMI is high, and just as a as a teenager, that's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow because you knew you have been dieting for so long, but nothing was working. You didn't understand why is it not working. Like I, the first diet I went on was LA Weight Loss in fourth grade those were the little bars you ate to put, replace meals and like other things like that, which is still a very much a fad diet that people still engage in these days. But like fourth grade, I really, I shouldn't be eating a replacement meal bar, but I felt like I had to. I felt like, you know, this was, everybody else was doing it. You know, like my, my mom was doing it. I wanted to, she was losing weight. I wanted to lose weight. So LA Weight Loss, Weight Watchers, I did Weight Watchers with my aunt multiple times, multiple sessions of Weight Watchers and just measuring out your food and counting your points and everything like that. So toxic diet culture, Just, it just, it just really did live and breathe in our society and in our homes. And, and just everybody was just locked into that thought process of eating low calorie, eating low fat. And that's still a mindset that I feel I have to this day. So, and I have to check myself constantly to say, I don't need to celebrate when I eat less food than I should be eating on a day on that day. Like I should be eating and fueling my body. I'm very intentional about it these days. And people, sometimes I get scared. I look, I look around me and I see other women. And, you know, especially when I worked at a corporate office and we would order lunch and I eat, I would eat my whole entire meal because that's my meal. You know, and it's not that like I was overeating. It was a salad. Like I'm going to eat a whole salad. I'm not going to save a salad for later. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, but people around me were doing that. Like, I'm just so full. I've had four bites, but I'm just so full. And I don't try to like bash anybody's eating habits. It's more of just coming in. Where I just felt like, should I be eating less? Am I eating too much? they just talked about how they skipped breakfast this morning, but I ate a big breakfast. And they're talking about how they probably aren't going to eat dinner. Should I eat dinner? And it still happens to this day, because a lot of people still feed into that toxic diet culture.
0: Yeah, so, so much to share and unpack there. So yeah, one of the things that you said about, you know, eating to fuel your body. And I think that piggybacks right on to what you were just sharing about, should I be eating more should I be eating less just because other people are doing that and I know that for me same like I used to pride myself I don't know if I share this with you or not but I used to try to eat 500 calories a day like I thought like was like yes good job and it wasn't until I started you know to to find functional movement and you know, that was the, when I then realized, oh, if you want to do these things, you have to fuel your body. Like food is like gas for your car, essentially. Like you can't run on an empty tank and same thing with your body. And whenever we see people who are like, oh, I'm full or, oh, yeah, like I skipped breakfast. That's their metabolism. This is some shit I wish someone told me. That's your metabolism going into starvation mode and not giving you hunger signals anymore because it doesn't think that it's going to get food on a consistent basis. One of the the best ways to describe, you know, eating that I think that I've ever heard is you want to think about it as putting like wood chips on a fire. Like you want to keep the fire going pretty consistent throughout the day, right? You don't just want to dump a log on like once or twice with these big heavy meals because what that does is that, you know, causes your metabolism to go into overdrive. And then by the time, you know, you start to process that food, your body's tired. No wonder you want to nap after a big lunch, right? Because your body's like, we just did a lot of work. Like meanwhile, if you would kind of, you know, monitor that and eat, you know, these small meals, like put the wood chips on the fire. Then it's something that's much more manageable for your body. And when we see these other people, I think that like not eating much or skipping breakfast and thank you for sharing that. Like, yeah, I'm not bashing anyone's eating habits and at the same time. I'm just encouraging everyone to get curious about like how they're eating habits are serving them. What type of relationship do you have with food and with your body? Because I know when, you mentioned like the magazines and stuff. And I thought back to whenever I would be in like the checkout line at the grocery store and you would see like on the tabloids, like people talking about people's weight. And fortunately we are in a space now where there's more body positivity and like we don't see that as much. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe I just don't read the magazines anymore. But yeah. I think that it is spoken about now where it's like, don't like body shame people. Whereas that was the norm whenever I was growing up. And so. Yeah like
1: jessica simpson and you know what she was called and i just saw a post on tiktok people talking about like america ferrera and like the sisterhood of the traveling pants and they're like mm-hmm. why were we raised to believe that she was so fat why wish we were why were when I mean, she's literally a normal sized woman yeah but she's competing compared to women who are five foot ten five foot eleven with a very slim frame or someone who's very petite it's just this comparison which happens i mean we're human, cre- like we're human beings. Like social comparison is just the way that we make sense of the world. Right. But when your social comparison is rooted in this making women smaller, making and I mean men too, as men engage in toxic diet culture as well, but women are just more likely to do it because it's such a propaganda it's such a just an industry i mean how it's a billion dollar multi-billion dollar industry dieting culture is and it still is to this day but especially in the early 2000s like when we were growing up in really those formative years of it all and and now we're starting to see the negative effects of it but still it's it's ingrained in a lot of people like when i posted my video about my fat camp experience which is another Way of toxic diet culture when early two thousands when fat camps or they called them fat farms in some places. Um, oh God, I didn't even know that. I before. know. Yeah, they did call them fat farms in some places. When these were camps designed for teenagers to go to to lose a lot of weight um, and to to you know under the guise of like oh we're we're saving your we're saving your children they're going to lose weight they're going to be healthy but it was rooted in toxic diet culture that was low calorie low fat constant exercise so of course people are going to lose weight just like the biggest loser is basically like the biggest loser but like for teenage kids and stuff and like for children but it felt at the time everybody was like yeah this is good this seems normal this seems right 2009 everybody's like this is right this is what people should do but then you don't realize the, the negative effects until after all of that. You know, teenagers, there's so much research out there and I'm not sitting here claiming I'm a expert. I'm not a dietitian or a nutritionist, but I do understand literature. I do understand peer-reviewed um, research articles that talk about teenagers who engage in that toxic diet culture, that toxic diet, the dieting habits in their teenage years. It well lasts until their young adulthood into our adult. I am a product of that. My body has always been a bigger body and it's just the way my body is, but I didn't know, I can't, and I still struggle with understanding why my body is genetically made up this way when my peers' body may be made up this way and they can lose weight quicker or maybe they didn't even have a weight loss problem, but I have struggled with it since I was a child. But the dieting did not help me become healthier it really just pushed me and propelled me into a life cycle where I was constantly having to battle that up and down fluctuation of weight rather than understanding that my body is made this way. And I think a lot of young children, adult, and, you know, adults, a lot of people struggle with this and understanding that teenagers are not really, or they shouldn't be dieting. And maybe, you know, Again, that's up to a a certified medical professional to talk to a teenager about their dieting habits if they want to. But there's just research to support teenagers shouldn't be engaging in the toxic behaviors of eating less calories than they should be consuming, which nobody should. But especially ones that are already their metabolism, they're growing, there's hormones involved, all the things um, that can ultimately predisposition them to having struggles with obesity into their adulthood and other things, which I I know it's anecdotal, but I am a product of that. I know that for sure, even to this day, struggling with that kind of stuff. And I, I've kind of come to a, a point in my life in acceptance that because I engaged in so much toxic diet culture as a young adult or as a child and a teenager, I will probably I will probably never find myself in the ideal body that I des- I've desired my whole life to be in. And understanding that that's okay, because it doesn't mean that my body is any less strong, any less healthy, any less capable than those around me. Um, But it's hard to overcome that when society constantly tells you that you're wrong. I think we're getting to a place of it, that, that body neutrality type of mindset of understanding that bodies are not inherently some bodies are not inherently good because they are skinnier or smaller. And some bodies are not inherently bad because they are bigger or larger and they take up more space. There's nothing wrong with that. Also, if anything, we should understand that someone else's health is not our problem. Mm-hmm. And what they do with their body is not our problem. It is uh we just have to understand that. But it, it's a it's a uphill battle in a lot of ways because it's really ingrained in who we are and what we do, especially when it comes to the multi I mean, it's an industry. It's a, it's a marketing campaign. There's always going to be an influx of information out there to push you into dieting. And TikTok, even now, TikTok and Instagram, they're doing the same thing. So what I eat in the days is a form of toxic diet culture in my brain. I think I watch them and I'm like, oh, should I be eating like that? Should I be eating like oh, She ate 1,400 calories. Should She also looks really good. She's very fit. Should I be eating like that? And I still have to stop myself. I'm like, no, we're different. I have a different body than her so you know
0: yeah and you had mentioned earlier i'm going to touch on this about how what you know the doctors and things were saying were was related to bmi and how like bmi is essentially like it's it's bullshit like the bmi index um is not a barometer of what you should weigh um and so yeah if anyone I mean, I think we, a lot of people are aware of that, but just wanted to note that in case anyone is still going by that, that that's not an accurate assessment. And mm-hmm. yeah, I wish you you had on so many good things and that, you know, if someone would have said like, Hey, like your body, like bodies are supposed to be like, they look different. And that's not like you said, a barometer of health. That's, you know, just the fact that like, that's what genetically they are predisposed to look like. And when you apply certain stimuluses or certain, you know, um, foods or like whatever, and we can have a whole ass different conversation about like the junk and the hormones and the chemicals they put into foods now that also influence how our bodies are able to process them. Um, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, I do want to touch on how you mentioned that, you know, bad diets don't work and, you know, I think what you just shared in regards to um, the fat camp and all of the different diets that you own are a testament to that. And, you know, when most of us think about weight loss, I think that our brains go to two places. Number one, the food, and then number two, the movement. And you had also mentioned that, you know, toxic diet culture supports a toxic gym culture. And as someone who's coached in gyms and functional fitness communities, I have my own perspectives on, you know, what I've seen. I'm happy to share that throughout our conversation. But For those that are listening, could you tell us more about how what you've seen um, of toxic diet culture has fed into that toxic gym culture that you mentioned?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's still a lot. I I, when I growing up in in terms of like going to the gym, I started going to the gym again in middle school. I had a personal trainer. Um and everyone around you, especially around that time, was very small, very thin. I still think sometimes there is a lot of that I I know for a fact there is a lot of that where you go to the gym maybe you're newer to the gym maybe you're a little bit larger in a larger body people may look at you and judge you for for being there like maybe laugh at you I'm not saying that happens a lot but it does happen there is just it's like you're just you're never allowed to win you're going to the gym to be healthier but you still get judgment for not looking the gym physique and i think too a lot of people need to understand like i work out quite a bit like i move my body a lot i try to i'm not like out here looking like a fitness influencer but i also live a very busy life i have work i have my side hustle i have all these different things so like realistically most of us are only able to go to the gym for like maybe 45 minutes to an hour a day. But so that means that I can't build and shape my physique to be exactly what a fitness influencer may look like. And a lot of fitness influencers are great at their job. They're super healthy and they understand a lot of things, but they also, a lot of them have existed in a smaller body for a very long time. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I personally have always really enjoyed learning from fitness influencers who have a similar body to me. I follow a couple on TikTok who I guess they wouldn't call themselves fitness influencers, but they would call themselves like, you know, they do CrossFit. They do other workouts and they do other forms of working out, but their bodies look like mine and they aren't really out here trying to make their body smaller They're really out here just showing that my body can move the same way that someone else's body who you would think goes to the gym moves you know, you may look at me and think, she doesn't go to the gym. Like, she doesn't work out. I literally just had a conversation a few weeks ago with someone that I was telling them about. I was talking to my coworker and someone interjected in the conversation. And I was like, oh, yeah, last night I um, made a workout up with my friend. Uh, we did 30 minutes of, we did lunges, we did squats, we did pushups, we did running. We did over 140 lunges, We like high reps, movements. And I was like, yeah, I'm a little sore today because most people are going to be sore after doing over a hundred lunges.
0: Yeah.
1: If you're not crazy. Um, but this woman, she looks at me, she's a very small, like petite woman. And I don't think she meant it. She, I don't know what she meant, but she just said, wow, I wouldn't expect Almost like I wouldn't expect that. Like, that's crazy. I could never do that. That's just wild. I'm like, Okay, cool. I mean, I I don't know how else to tell people like, yeah, I do move my body a lot. I do work out quite a bit. I can lift. I'm not the heaviest lifter in the CrossFit gym, but I can lift pretty heavy weight. I feel like I can. I feel very strong. My body just may not look like what you would expect it to look like when I tell you I do CrossFit, or when I tell you I go to the gym, or when I tell you I ran a 5K, or when I you know it, it may not look like that. And I think that toxic diet culture and toxic gym culture they feed into one another um, in a lot of ways. I think we, there are a lot of spaces that are very safe for people. I personally have found safety in the CrossFit gym um, that, you know, in, in that community, every time I go to one, I feel like they, people, I don't get too, I don't get like judgment for for what, you know, for me being in there. But I know that I have, gone to gyms before like conventional gyms or whatever they may be and felt that judgment or also felt un- it, I had one time ago I did a workout I was sweating in my own little corner in the gym it was like a conventional Planet fitness kind of thing he comes out of his way to come tell me you're killing it you're doing such a great job like you're just killing it there are plenty of people around me also killing it but I was the biggest one around mm-hmm. so and I get there's like people wanting to encourage you but I, I appreciate it it's also like, you know, I don't know. And maybe that's just a me thing. It's an insecure thing, but I I don't like to be pinpointed out and I don't like to be you know, singled out because I'm the larger person here and I'm working out. And it's such an amazing thing to see a big person work out when really so many of us work out, like it's a part of our lifestyle. It is not, you know, and I wish sometimes um, fitness, the fitness influencing world would really showcase bodies that are. Larger that also really work out, and I think we're getting there. I follow a few, but that's my thought process on that.
0: yeah, I agree, and I think that a lot of people don't feel safe to go to these fitness locations, whether it be a conventional gym or you know a functional fitness community, because they don't want that kind of attention because they kind of just want to blend in like they already feel, and this is I mean speaking from what I've kind of gathered over the years, um, they, they kind of just want to be like everyone else. And when they aren't afforded that opportunity, then it's something where it's like, well, I'm just not even going to try. Like, I'm just going to not work out. I'm just going to yeah, like not go do the things that I want to do because I feel singled out in some way. And so I think that, yeah, like breaking the stigma, I love what you said about how, you know, like, yeah, like this is what we kind of expect, like what society kind of expects and making rotation marks. Um, I don't know why they're not really applicable here, but this is what society kind of expects, you know, a certain type to look like if they do these types of movements. And that's not true. Like you can't use that as a gauge anymore. And, I don't think that you ever really could. I think it's just that we saw a lot of, you know, like the, the best runners and the best like this, that, and the other, like the best, you know, of the best of their sport looking a certain way. And we didn't see these other, you know, body types doing it just because like that wasn't what society showed us. Like that wasn't mm-hmm. what the media wanted us to see. And so, yeah, I definitely have seen that um, as well during my years of coaching and yeah and I
1: would even add on to that too in the sense of like toxic diet culture plus in the correlation with the gym culture is that if you if you're dieting and you're working out you cannot stray there the the discipline that you have to have the drive the focus the hard the you know the grind the, the grit if you want to live your life that way, go for it. There's nobody telling you to stop. But don't expect everybody to be going to the gym to lose weight. Don't expect everybody to be going to the gym to be following a diet for like really strictly. And also, I've had to overcome a lot of using using exercise as punishment because my diet was not clean. If I eat a piece of pizza, I still sometimes feel... Like I need to go and work it out. Like I need to go run it off. I just literally had a thought right here. I was like, I need to go on a walk today because I had a higher calorie lunch. But I have to like consciously always think like, no, I'm not using exercise as a form of punishment. And I also don't have to, I don't have to like work. I don't have to work it off. I don't have to like constantly think about over-exercising myself to have a net zero to like, or, you know, negative uh calories so i'm losing weight and understanding that working out it's literally just it's good for your health it's good for your heart it's good for your body it keeps us mobile it keeps us moving it keeps us happy that's why we exercise it feels good we don't exercise. exercising is not if you want to lose weight and you want to exercise and lose weight go for it by all means go for it nobody's ever telling you not to do that if that's what you feel you need to do but also not everybody's doing that. Exercising does not mean that I want to lose 40, 50, 60 pounds. It just means that, yeah, I want to work out. I want to move my body. It just feels good. And, um, and I think a lot of people struggle still with that, not with that mindset. And I have to stop myself consciously daily, it, it appears, to understand that exercise is not a form of punishment. And not everybody is hustling and grounding and eating plain chicken and white rice to build their body into a certain physique that is not realistic for them. Not even not realistic for them, it's not sustainable for them. It's hard to maintain your body in a certain physique that is very small, thin, tiny. It's or like, you know, bodybuilders are bodybuilders because they're extremely disciplined, but they also are doing that for a living. They are doing that for shows and competitions. I am not. I by power to you if you want to. But I just can't. I've done that before. I severely restricted my diet and tried to work out. I was not a good person. I was not a healthy person mentally and physically. Yeah.
0: Thank you for sharing that and for your vulnerability in this whole conversation, but especially with all of it, um, but particularly in this instance to your real-time example, like you just said, because I think that so many people do see you know, like exactly you said, like I had a slice of pizza, I need to go run a mile or whatever the case may be, whatever the equivalent might be. I remember seeing like those little cheat sheets that's like, oh, th- this food equals, you know, this many burpees in calories kind of a thing. And I remember like, oh, I need a screenshot that. What the fuck do you need a screenshot that? for? Yeah. No, I've done like, that. All the sick. Yeah. And also, like you said, like, that like burpees are punishment essentially right like they were created by the military as a like uh, a fitness test like how many could you do you in know, a- i've wondered
1: who created that i've questioned their sanity yeah i'm excited the military because it
0: was just it, like, it was to see from what i read like don't quote me if i'm wrong like someone like let me know in the comments or slide in my dms but what I read, because I researched this, was that it was a test they wanted, you know, that was simple, that you could do, like, body weight to see how quickly you get down and get back up. Like, yeah, because... Um,
1: it makes sense for the military. For me, it does yeah. not. Like, I don't have many moments where I need to get down and get back up very quickly. Like, I don't know. We do live in America.
0: So. Oh, that's, that's that's true. Um, That's true. But, so what you said about the, the movement being punishment. Like I tried all of the things that like Shape Magazine said you should try, like do this, you know, Stairmaster workout, which also sucks. Do this, you know, treadmill workout, which I, I hate running. Anyone that knows me, like I, I hate it. Um, more power to the runners listening. I'm not mad at you. I respect you. I don't know how you do it. Um, but okay. for those the longest and dancing like the like the zumba like the dance classes look so fun I have zero coordination like I would end up turned around like facing the wrong direction and it wasn't something where I was like I felt good doing it and it wasn't until I found functional movement that I was like oh I can lift stuff up and put it down and I can like you know make the like put boxes on a shelf like I can I can do these functional movements And it was then that I was like, I feel good. Like I'm, I'm literally learning how to move my body more efficiently, more effectively, more functionally. And when I found that, then my mindset exactly to your point, it was no longer, well, let me go to the gym because like, I'm trying to like, you know, get to a certain like number. I had a goal weight. I had a goal weight in my head, which I don't know that I ever actually weighed that. Um, But yeah. Like I had this goal weight in my head, and when I discovered functional fitness, I had kind of given up on that because I tried the diets. I've spoken about this in the past. Like I binged and purged. Like I would try to like starve myself. Like I had tried all the things. I never looked like this idea of what I had in my head. Never. And I think that it was to what you had mentioned about like these competitors, like these bodybuilders, these fitness competitors. And I love that you brought that up because they train for shows and then they, like, don't eat like that. Like, yeah, they they, like they to your point, like they train for some like a shoot or a competition or they train for some goal and then they have that event and then they don't eat like that most of the time. Because, yeah, yeah, it's not
1: sustainable. It's not sustainable. I mean, there are multiple times, like especially like when I came back from bat camp, I was there for ten weeks, lost forty pounds in ten weeks at fifteen. Obviously, because I was eating less than twelve hundred calories a day, less than fifty gram less than twenty grams of fat a day, and I was exercising for seven hours out of the day. So naturally, my body's going to lose weight because I was hungry. Um, but as soon as I got out of camp, out of that uncontrolled environment, started living life the way that. I'm supposed to live life. Yeah. I developed I'd always had binge eating disorder. But I just it just amplified dieting only amplified all of that, especially restrictive toxic dieting, where lower super restrictive calories or restricting a certain food group, it's always led me, it has never given me a successful outcome other than the last time I did the, when I did my last like restrictive diet, which was keto. I did lose weight and I've managed to keep it off, but only because I healed my brain and I had to go to therapy and I started being your client and working with you on body dysmorphia and understanding that I don't have to like restrict myself so severely from a certain food group, from calories in order to be healthy and have um have be strong. And, you know, I've been thankfully been able to really cure my, you know, go into remission I guess you could say with binge eating there's still moments I want like if I've restricted myself I feel that urge to like go and binge um but as a child I did that a lot I hid food wrappers from my parents I would eat six fruit roll-ups when I get home from school because I was I I ate healthy at school because someone packed my lunch for me but then i would get home and eat crazy junk because my brothers could eat whatever they wanted because their bodies were crazy but mine I just kept binging and binging and ultimately it's you know because I was restricting so much and and that's just that's just you know I hate saying like is that science because I can't quote an article on it but yeah I think it is science. When you restrict something from your diet like that, when you, you know severely restrict calories, you and then all you think about is food. You wake up, what am I gonna eat? You go to bed, what am I gonna eat tomorrow? You know, you always think about food. I still struggle to this day always thinking about what I'm eating and when I'm eating it and it's this sense of like controlling my mind to think about the foods that I'm eating I still struggle with it and I wish you know and it's a constant daily uphill battle of understanding that it's okay like if I don't think about everything I'm gonna put in my, every food I'm putting in my body yeah. it's okay if I live a normal life but I also have to be cognizant that you know I do want to fuel my body, you know, not just fuel my body. I do want to nourish my body with foods that I know make me feel good and be rooted that I'm I'm, I'm not eating this salad because I think I need to eat this salad because it's going to make me lose weight because it's going to make me look good because I'm healthy and like green goddess queen. I'm eating the salad because I like the salad. It makes me feel good. It brings joy to me to eat this salad. And it's not. I've not tricked myself into thinking that. I truly enjoy a salad. I truly enjoy, and they're not little salads with like you know two croutons and a piece of cheese. They are like. I'm not saying girthy salads. That's a weird word. <laughs>
0: so I understand you're saying. I I've started making. I don't know if I've told you about this. I've started making like these big ass salads. Like I need a big bowl. Like don't give me that little one because then my stuff's gonna fall out. But a yeah. big ass bowl like a big Pyrex, essentially. And I put like the mixed green lettuce. I like the herb mix from Trader Joe's because I like the flavor. And then I'll put like a shit ton of veggies, like purple cabbage, red cabbage, whatever, you know, the the purple one. Um, and I put like all this like Kalamata olives, uh, red bell peppers, mm-hmm. um, cucumbers, like all this stuff and some kind of protein. And then I use this dressing, this dressing that, oh my God, if it were socially acceptable, I would drink this dressing. It's made from fermented vegetables, um, one of them once made from like kefir, kefir, however you pronounce it. Oh yeah yeah. It, yeah. Like, um,
1: yeah
0: so good. so yeah. it's like the Cleveland kitchen and so the way the reason I brought this up is because I'm like this isn't like a salad. this is like a salad, you know yeah like yeah that's- it's like
1: I know this is a good salad. This, this is if I was gonna measure calories on it this is a this is a, a this is yeah. a 200 calorie salad that salad salad. Yeah, that's how I feel. And I feel, to be honest, like I, in my relationship with food is that I don't want to eat processed as much processed food because I just know it makes my body not feel great. It's yeah. not because I don't enjoy a Pop-Tart or I enjoy packaged foods. I also try to be more conscious as if, you know, toxic diet culture also really feeds into an industry of food waste yep. and food processed foods. Let's be honest. Like you go to the grocery store there's still things that say, oh, healthy Healthy two hundred cal one hundred calorie snack pack healthy that ain't healthy. You look at it like that, I understand it's a matter of convenience, and I understand it's very much. It's very much a privilege to engage in dieting, especially dieting that has already packaged meals like LA weight loss or all those crazy other things out there. It's very much a privilege to be able to do that kind of stuff because it's expensive, and I know. We've talked about this, the amount of money that you can spend on dieting. Yes, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. I personally know that i probably spent over twenty thousand dollars in some sort of toxic dieting. I don't know, you know, the pills, the yeah. the little the wraps around your stomach to shrink your stomach, the this, I, all all sorts of things. I've done a lot of it. And I I admit it, it's sad, but I've done a lot of it because I'm like, well. If my body just won't do it, then I'm gonna find a way to to help it do it with yeah. a pill or with this packaged meal. So I try to be more conscious of eating foods that like are grown and foods that are more ex- readily accessible around me, just from a more sustainable stand- standpoint because yeah. that's just more earth conscious. Not per, not per se to make my body skinny, and because I need to eat this earth grown food to be healthy and skinny all these things it's just because from a more conscious level of of consuming
0: yeah yeah it's healthier for you because there's less there's less chemicals and stuff in it because they have food scientists i've talked about this before Some shit i wish someone would have told me is that there are food scientists working for your favorite chip brands and everything else under the sun that are working to figure out the exact ratio of ingredients to keep you unsay it satiated satiated. thank you oh my god unsatiated but also <laughs> to like keep you like wanting more so wanting more but like never being full and so they they pay people for this and we are the victims essentially in that yeah that's um, why like
1: when people go to europe and they eat like i have multiple people who've gone to europe recently and i've gone to europe multiple times i eat i just eat whatever we we walk around a lot it's like walking we just walk because walking is just normal but I recognize again we live in America it's different like we can't just be walking to the grocery store because especially we live in a more like um, rural area mm-hmm. it's hard to say that word um yeah, but the foods, food. yeah the foods are just they are more naturally locally sourced. they're more you know all the things that's why people go over there they lose weight they're like I feel like I ate so much I was just eating pizzas and desserts and gelatos and like pastries but I lost weight. I'm like, yeah, because the food over there is just where they are making it and how they're making it is different than how we are making it over here, which yeah. is, you know, extreme. but again, it is a, it's a privilege to be able to have access to whole ingredients, and you know, those ingredients that are not processed because a lot of places who live in areas where grocery stores are not easily accessible. Yeah. I know we've talked about this, like where I grew up, there's a town, a um, few different towns around me that just have dollar generals as yep. their source of food for people around them. It's it's cheap. It's easily accessible to be able to feed your family of four on $15 of frozen pizzas and frozen, all the different things like that. But it just perpetuates. So, but they in the same breath, your toxic diet culture places are around you, you know, shaming people for for gaining weight and being the size that they are and yet we live in a system that is not designed for kids to learn proper nutrition but also food like food insecurities where they don't have they're not going to food drives and food donation places all canned and yeah because that's what they have to do but it's like you know toxic diet culture feeds on that i think it really feeds on that especially on populations who don't understand the actual science behind this is not going to help me I really need to do be be doing this but it's just the system that we are born into that just constantly it's just a cyclical nature of we give you this now you need to take you need you need to go and eat this way I don't know yeah that's more like a sociological standpoint that I just don't think I have the I don't have the knowledge to I can just only conspiracy like you know theorize about my thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, that's a that's a whole other conversation, but I'm glad that you brought it up because yeah, I, I agree that the people who are making you sick are the same ones that are like selling you the cure in that sense, right? They're, they're the ones that are telling you like, hey, you know, you shouldn't necessarily like look this way or eat these things, but yeah, like you said, the availability of the things that, you know, are healthy, they're not either going to teach you that or they're not going to um, make it available. And so it's something where, yeah, like you said, it just becomes a cycle and then like they end up selling you like the medication to fix, you know, the, you know, high blood pressure. And yeah, it's just a clusterfuck and a half. Um, it really is. And you had mentioned, um, as well, and I wanted to just circle back to this about, you know, kids dieting and being on like a certain diet. And I think that you're right. Because, you know, bodies are still growing and, like, learning. And if you're trying to, like, restrict at that type of, you know, a a point in someone's life cycle, then you're not even really giving them the chance to figure out, like, you know, what works for them or not. Because you're already trying to, like, alter it in that sense. And I also wanted to touch on your point about when you feel that you restrict, you then binge. Yes, because that's the scarcity, right? You restrict yourself. And so then when you finally get it, Your brain is like, oh, we're getting this thing that we haven't gotten. Who knows we're going to get it again. So of course you're going to overindulge and overeat. I do the same thing. And I think I shared this with you that there was a video that I saw on the Instagrams and it was from this guy who, um, they were talking about cheat meals and while I don't like cheat meals, I would call them reward meals or reward, uh, days because I need like a day. Um, but he was saying, instead of like rewarding yourself or cheating, because negative connotation, you're not supposed to do that. Why don't you just eat the foods when you want to eat the foods? Because is it that you're actually rewarding yourself or is it that you're perpetuating a negative, disordered, e- or disordered eating? And I was like, oh, crap. I think I'm perpetuating the disordered eating because like I shared, I used to binge and purge. And so now I don't purge, but I was still doing the binging element of it, right? I'm restricting myself all week. And then I'm like, all right, Saturday's here. I'm going to eat a pizza. I'm going to have a burger. I'm going to do, you know, this, that, and the other. It really just pizza and burgers. Um, yeah. But I would also just do fried cookies. But I was just going to say, yeah. but yeah, like I was using that like as an excuse, like this is a reward. Like I've, I've done so good. But again, that was just another form of my disordered eating
1: yeah yeah i know and it's it's hard to like overcome that because everybody tells you like oh when you especially if you've done toxic diet cultures where it's like dieting where it's like um oh okay so your four-week diet Here's your four-week plan on friday at 8 p.m you can have a piece of chocolate but don't, but don't go crazy if you go crazy then you've just ruined your whole week you've ruined your whole week now look at you and it's just like this shame that you feel for like wanting to just live a normal life like my friends are out here eating the chocolate cake I want to eat a little bit of the chocolate cake if I keep restricting myself then I'm just gonna I'm gonna go home I'm gonna eat that chocolate cake I'm gonna binge it and I'm gonna hide it from and then I'm gonna be sad upset and mad at myself for doing it versus now it's like you don't we don't have to fear food as much as society tells us we need to like, yes, there are, um, I, and, I, and I always say this in the sense of like foods that I think understanding that food is having access to food is something to be grateful for, and having the food around us in, in, and understanding like what foods we're putting in our body and the nutrients that it provides, and, and being appreciative of the nutrients that it provides, but also understanding that food is just food, it is literally just something that that keeps you alive it is not out here you we only make food a bad thing when we put such negative energy and negative thoughts around it and i and i recognize there's there's a balance of that when we talk about chemicals in our foods and stuff like that like i will eat an oreo i know that thing is not naturally sourced from the ground (laughs) but i'm gonna eat it like it's a it's a balance and that's when they talk about like the dietitians that i do follow Are ones that talk about adding to your diet not taking away oh you had a pop tart for breakfast okay cool like i love pop tarts like i watched this one her name is abby's kitchen abby sharp's kitchen and i love her videos i love her content because she talks a lot about she's like I'm very, you know, she's a certified, you know, she's a registered dietitian. She does more intuitive eating type of lifestyle where she adds to. So she will will say, "Oh, you had a pop tart for breakfast. Nice. I love pop tarts, but why don't you know? The only thing I would add on there is just a little bit more source of protein um because protein is a hunger crushing combo. It's a it is something that keeps you a little bit more satiated. But she never says you can't have that pop tart. You should be eating egg whites, turkey bacon, yeah." And all these things, it's just like you can have the foods that you really enjoy, but also just like add a little bit more fiber into it, add some protein, add a couple more things to just make it a more balanced meal. It doesn't mean you, and then over time, your body's like, I don't need to eat that whole slice of cake. Maybe I don't know. Maybe you want to, maybe you do, but I think I've learned by having that type of mindset. I don't desire to binge eat two slices of cake and two slices of. I, my, my body just gets like, okay, I'm kind of full. Yeah. Your body just naturally does what it's supposed to do.
0: Yep.
1: But that's just like my experience, what I've dealt with, um, when becoming more food, just finding ways to eat food that just makes sense in terms of like getting the proper nutrients and not just depriving myself of sugars because sugars are evil and
0: fat is evil.
1: Yeah.
0: Carbs are evil. Like all food groups
1: are evil at one point for everybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We talked about the food pyramid and how that changed. Um, as well, which yeah, so, and one of the things that you mentioned too, like, whenever, like, the guilt and shame that we oftentimes feel after we do binge, let's say, um, same, like, I feel bloated and I feel all these, and it partly so it's part mental and it's also part like physical because, whenever, again, talking about putting like that big log on the fire, right? Your body's going through processes, like, if you eat a lot of sugar, that's going to jack your blood, your blood sugar up, and then it's going to drop, and so you've got like a a two-part combo happening there where it's like partly mental and it's also partly physical and you know if you aren't aware of the fact that like oh yes like I feel bad about this or I feel some type of way which again like you don't feel what you need to feel but it's not something where you need to um, necessarily it's just something that happened doesn't have to be like a negative experience I like to say it's all just R&D so we're just looking at it from the perspective the perspective of like okay so like you binge ate like what does that tell us like how do you feel afterwards okay well be mindful that part of that is also your body like that's part of like what's happens to your mood when you eat like when you put a big log on the fire kind of a thing um and you know one of the key reasons speaking in terms of mental health um one of the key reasons I stepped away from coaching in a fitness capacity is because I reached a point of realization where I was like Yes, the food movement are a huge part of it. But like you had mentioned a bit earlier, is the biggest part of your mind. And so, you know, that's why I took my talents to life coaching and, you know, helping people get the mental aspect of it right so that they can experience success in these other areas. And so another thing that you mentioned is that you wish that someone had told you about how toxic diet culture, excuse me, um, is something that you wish that someone had told you how hard it would be to, you know remove those thoughts around like always want to change your body which you touched on a bit and how that has impacted your mental health and so just to speak to that for a moment like what does that look like for you throughout all of this
1: yeah I think that the constant need to change your body just kind of perpetuates this feeling of not feeling good enough and having that sense of self-worth you know, I've struggled a lot with my body image issues and my self-esteem even well into like from my adolescent years into my adulthood. And it's it's negatively impacted multiple areas of my life, you know, my confidence level and and just who I am in the person, my confidence in my dating. And, and we've talked a lot about that, like in my one-on-ones with you and just understanding that feeling like I needed to make myself smaller in order to feel accepted by people around me is such a shame to carry as a child, and as a teenager. And then into your adulthood, it's like, okay, well, now I don't have an excuse because I'm an adult. I can change this. I can fix this. But then just, it's a constant need to change. And you're never feeling good enough. You're never feeling worthy enough to be accepted by those around you because you just feel like you're just a failure. Like you're not able to be that disciplined. You're not able to rough it out. You're not able to be successful at this dieting. You're not, your body's just not responding the way that it is. And I still carry that. Like I, I've struggled with it. Even this year of just understanding, like, I wish that I could wake up. Some days I do, but I wish that I could consistently wake up and not constantly have to look at myself in the mirror and say, okay, my stomach was a little bit smaller today. Maybe I did really good yesterday Oh, okay. You know, and that, that does go back to my body dysmorphia that um, I developed, especially after losing a lot of weight and just feeling the need to control. I was like, oh, I lost 50 pounds. I have to control this. I have to keep this. If I lose this, then I lose the control. I lose everything I've worked hard for. I've lost all those years of like pain and suffering and feeling like I'm not good enough because people have been telling me how proud they are of me losing weight and how proud they are of me sticking to my diet, and how disciplined I am. When I lose my grip on that, and when I have lost my grip on it, I've had to let go of that reality that just because I'm, my body is not shrinking and becoming smaller, and I'm not, doesn't mean that I'm not worthy, and doesn't mean that I'm not good enough, doesn't mean I'm not strong, doesn't mean I'm not capable. And that's hard to like work through, and it's, and it's difficult because you have just been feeding into a narrative your whole life that you must change yourself. You must become smaller. You are not doing everything you're supposed to be doing. Um, And people too, toxic diet culture. I think society also teaches people that you're just lazy if you don't lose the weight. You're just, and and especially if you exist in a bigger body and in a larger body, you are taught from a young age that you are not desirable and as worthy as the people around you who are smaller. And I'm not saying that as like a woe is me type thing, but it's true. Like, I don't know how many different times I've been overlooked. I've been, you know, in my friend groups that are smaller, I've been overlooked. And people around me will say, well, no one's ever made you feel that way intentionally. Like, we would never make you feel that way intentionally. Like, you know, but I'm like, it doesn't matter. It's just, it's not, I'm not singling someone out around me that made me feel that way. A lot of it is, I have just believed that this is who I am. Like. The being the fat funny friend, and always trying to diet, always trying to change who I am, but just not feeling accepted and like welcomed as much as someone who who exists in a smaller body. So you know that that relates to a lot of body image issues. But I think a lot of people who have gone through the toxic diet culture, who have lived in that culture, who still live in that culture, understand. That feeling—it doesn't even matter if you are—if you do exist in a larger body, you may be in a very smaller body too. But you also—it um, affects everybody. It doesn't just affect you just because you are bigger. It affects every one of us. And that feeling of not feeling good enough and not feeling worthy enough—and that's a lot to carry around. That self doubt and that shame. Yeah, I don't. We're not meant to feel that way. We're not meant to to carry that in in our hearts and in our brains and constantly think that way about ourselves
0: yeah and thank you for sharing that I think that like you said like it it's something that infiltrates like so many different areas and it's something where what you said you know kind of in the beginning of of this part of the conversation is that you know whether people you know specifically say it or not it's just something that's kind of felt and you know it's something where it's nothing that anyone ever had to say like explicitly, but it's just something that I think a lot of people have come to realize that, you know, this is kind of what society is saying without saying. And Mm -hmm. that, like you said, when it comes to like your mental health, it's something where no matter like how much work you do, there's always like, that's, that's kind of where it like stemmed from and something that we see a lot today in like all the slogans about like well just work harder and just you know if you if if you don't you're not doing it then you don't want it bad enough and like nothing grinds my gears i mean some things grind my gears more than that statement but that's like up there <laughs> with like statements can yeah. grind my gears like as equally as some things that like nothing else grinds my gears as much because Like, that's how your brain works. Like, if you've always done one thing to try to then, like, you know, change your diet, start moving, and start thinking differently, that's a lot of change. That's going to overwhelm your brain. And your brain is going to then, therefore, default to doing the same thing it's always done, because that's the path of least resistance. That's, like, what your brain and body knows. Your brain looks for patterns. And so it's nothing that the person can do. But yet, like, society tells us these things, like oh, well, you just don't want it bad enough and bullshit like that. And I'm like, that's not it at all. And I wish that someone would like shout that from the rooftops, because I think that, you know, if it were something where people understood that it's not that they're not trying hard enough, it's not that they, you know, aren't doing all the things, it's that this isn't going to be an overnight process because your brain is doing what it knows has kept you safe up until this point. And I use like I put safe in quotations because what is safe isn't always necessarily what's, you know, desired or what's even necessarily best for us. If you want to think of it in terms of like toxic relationships and abusive relationships and that sort of a thing, but safe being what your brain knows to ensure your survival until the next day, Mm -hmm. even if that's not necessarily safe. And so your brain's going to just repeat those patterns because that's just what it does. And when we are put in this place where we don't know that, then it's something where we do feel different kinds of ways about not being able to do the thing, especially when we see everyone else seemingly being able to just do the thing. Yeah. And so it's something where, yeah, it's really frustrating in a lot of ways. It's very hard. So do you have something else you want to say on that? So when it comes to, you know, ways that you have helped to create a healthy relationship with your body and with food, for anyone listening and watching, what are some steps that you've taken that could also help them move the needle closer to creating a healthy relationship for Mm -hmm. themselves?
1: Yeah, and you know, like like we've said in the beginning of this, I'm not a registered dietitian or a nutritionist. So I'm not I don't have any certifications in this. And what worked for me may not work well for you. It's really just a trial and error type of thing. I think really just coming to the understanding that I had there's a mental side of it all. There's the physical side of things, but the mental side really does play a heavy role in it. When I lost a lot of weight, I did keto, and then my body basically just like went against me because keto was not a helpful diet for me. My hormones went out of whack. I couldn't eat a slice of bread without blowing up like a balloon. I had medical things going on. I was so at my lowest in my body image issues. I was at my lowest in my medical feelings and myself. Like I, I just was not happy with who I well, who I was. So I sought like or I saw mental health treatment through therapy and through my being your client and trying to understand the connection between your mind and your body and that your mind and your body have to work together in order to create that harmony. And as soon as I gave relinquished control over trying to constantly control what I was eating and constantly like marking my foods down and constantly worrying about everything that I was putting into my body or what my next meal would be, my body responded appropriately. I ended up losing weight. I'm not saying that you, you will do that, but I, I think I just understood that the uh, understood the importance of looking at food, not as something that was bad, not as something that was good. Just food is food. Food is here to nourish us. And, and trying to find foods that I enjoyed and not, and not binging and restrict or not binging, but not restricting myself from things that I also enjoyed because we are meant to live a life that is shared with other people, to to live in a life that is community. And I have been that person who is on that diet and sat across from my family while they're enjoying a cookout, celebrating someone's birthday. And I'm sitting there bringing, I have my little packaged meal with me because I need to eat this. If I don't eat this, then I will gain all that weight back. I will not be good. I will be bad. I will not look good. I will, all the things spiraling into that. And then I'm getting angry at my family. I'm getting angry at my friends around me because they don't understand that I have to live this way in order to fit in and look good. That was just not sustainable. It was very negative for me to live in a space like that around my family and friends. So I knew I needed to take actionable steps to heal my mind and heal this such control that I wanted to have over what I was eating. And understand the negative impact that dieting as a child had on me. I don't think I fully grasped it and understood that it did have such a negative effect on me and then trying to find healthy ways to move my body and not not exercising to make myself lose weight, exercising to feel good in my body and understand that my body is strong at every size, that my body is good. My body is healthy just because it doesn't look like so-and-so's over there. That's her body. That's the way her body was designed. That's the way her body is. I don't have that. I'm different and that's okay. It doesn't mean I'm any less than in society, but it's a hard mentality to grasp. It does take time. It takes conscious effort. You know, we talk a lot, Johnny, when we had our one-on-ones, of flipping that script and understanding that our brain if you lived in a set a state of understanding and thinking, and it may be that negative state that I have for the longest time, it doesn't just change overnight. It takes conscious effort. It takes change. And it's okay if you want to lose weight. It's okay if you want to get healthy, uh, you know, whatever, become healthy, but healthy doesn't mean losing weight. But it's okay if you want to lose weight. There's nothing wrong with doing that. I just encourage people to go about doing it in a way that you know it's not tying into these toxic bad diets and this toxic diet culture. You do not have to severely restrict your diet and severely restrict your calories in order to lose weight. I encourage you, if you're going to diet, if you can, seek out someone that's a registered dietitian or a nutritionist that can give you adequate advice, but don't, don't feed into the things that you tell you you have to eat a certain way in order to lose a certain level, to lose weight. I think that our bodies are different, and the way that our bodies respond to food is different and understanding that that's okay, and that you may not you may or may not look like someone around you, and that's okay too um understanding that mind body peace and that you are worthy of every size, and that your body is good, the body is strong is something that helps me overcome constantly feeding into toxic diet cultures So now i'm at a point where someone says well i you know i'm going on a diet next week on monday i'm gonna be eating 1200 calories a day i'm like oh i don't ever tell anybody how to eat i just really softly encourage people like i just really want to make sure you're eating enough i really want to make sure that you're you're fueling your body enough to where you you know i would never tell anybody how they should eat i did when i was on keto i was the worst i was like the cult leader of keto for a long time I had to do some self-awareness on that one so i'll never do that again but just understand that everybody feeds into toxic diet culture they think it's the norm and we just gotta one by one person by person uh work work towards it not everybody but a lot of people still feed in
0: yeah, yeah. well hopefully we help some people out today with this conversation so i thank you um what are, so you mentioned, and I agree, and I love your steps, like you said, um, finding someone who is a registered dietitian, if you are someone who wants to lose weight, finding a movement that you do enjoy, and finding, you know, foods that you actually want to eat, and not figuring, or not, not figuring, but like, not putting yourself in a position where you feel like you have to, you know, eat certain things to, like, look a certain way. Yeah, I would say, um, it really comes down to like creating you have to essentially create a new relationship with not only your body and yourself, but also with food. Because I think that yeah. like you said, um so many people label certain foods as bad or we were taught that, you know, you can't eat carbs or like whatever the case may be, like pick pick whatever you were taught to believe. And so we have these these kind of um these ideas and notions about like certain types of foods. And so it really is a matter of, yeah, you have to create like a whole, whole ass new relationship with food and your body and movement. Um, And I hope that we've spoken to that and given some people some insight as to what that can look like and how that can impact them and invited them and encouraged you all listening and watching to maybe explore what movements feel good and what, you know, foods you enjoy. And, you know, with that, quick question well two quick questions number one what are some movements that you enjoy you've talked a lot about you know finding movements that you enjoy so what are some movements that you um
1: I lately I love going on a nice walk um I call up you know everybody calls them a hot girl walk I love those um put some music on put a podcast on Crank out three to four mile walk. Walking is underrated. Everybody, I, I, but I, you know, it's low impact on my joints because I got the hips of a ninety seven year old woman. So sometimes a walk is fun. I like walking. I enjoy. I do love CrossFit. Not for everybody, but I like CrossFit because I just feel strong, and it's helped me prove that I, hey, a big girl went into a CrossFit class and lifted some weight, and here I am five years later. My body hadn't changed crazy drastically since doing CrossFit, but I still I'm stronger, I'm more mobile, all these things. So those are the two big things I like to do. I Also, really enjoy hiking. I'm mm-hmm. and I don't care if I'm the best at my movements. I don't care. I don't have to be the fastest or the strongest. I'm literally just there to move my body, and I don't know. I feel accomplishment afterwards. As long as I as long as I feel accomplishment and I feel that I'm good I did a good job, I'm happy. I don't care what everybody else is doing around me. Yeah. They can they can do what they want to do, but
0: Yeah. I love those. I also so I've been getting more into like we'll say yoga, but honestly I think it's just stretching. Yeah. I've been getting like more into that lately. Like in the mornings, like a nice gentle, like I mean I Google or I YouTube uh morning yoga like 15 yeah like like like, yeah yes I've been loving that lately and it's, nice. it's so nice and like who would have thought other than that yeah I also like the functional movements and we did go hiking last week and that was a lot of fun that was a lot of fun until it got really hot and then I was like yeah hey, it's, it's time to go inside yeah. Um, yeah okay so what are some of your favorite foods because you said also that you want to that you know you encourage people to find foods that they like So, what are some of your favorite go-to foods
1: yeah, um, ooh, I'm definitely a I like routine, so I eat the same thing all the time. I really like avocado toast, and that's so basic. But avocado toast on a Trader Joe's hash brown, in your life. It's good, and I always do try to balance my meals. Not that I'm trying to diet, I balance them with those kind of like that dietitian I talked about, the uh, Abby Sharp's kitchen with a protein, with some carbs, with some healthy fats, and all the different things. Um, and for lunch, I'm a salad person. I like a big salad. I like sweet potatoes on it. I like chicken. I like all the veggies, some black beans, some corn. Um, and I also really love pizza. Um, I eat pizza once a week, maybe twice. I don't know. In Mexican food. So pizza, I'm a, I love wood fired pizza. It just feels very Italian to me. I mean, pizza is like Italian, but it feels very authentic Italian. I love a wood fire, like a Napolitana type pizza. So those are my favorites. I'm not much of a snacker. So I'm a breakfast, lunch and dinner type of person.
0: Yum. I, I'm a fan of the pizza. Whole Foods, I think like their hot bar, I think their pizzas are so good. I don't,
1: don't
0: know. Sure that. That. Yeah. Like, I don't know why. Maybe I just don't know what good pizza tastes like, but I think that pizza is really good. And then I'm trying to think what other... The avocado toast, we've talked about this with the, everything but the bagel seasoning. I'll sprinkle it on top. That's delicious. So when they said avocado toast, you told me about the hash brown thing. I forget. I need to add that to our shopping list because we've talked yeah, about that. it. Up. And I, it's, you had, you have me sold, but I didn't put it on the list. And so then when I got there, I totally forgot. Like I was just there a couple days ago. Um, so cool. But yeah. And you know what I like? This is kind of basic, but like, I like a good bowl of oatmeal, but with chia seeds, and then there's this brand called Dang, D-A-N-G, and they have those cooking oh, yeah. chips. Yeah. Those on top and some berries. That's so good.
1: That's good. I also really love the sweet potato gnocchi from Trader Joe's with the okay. vegan kale pesto. Okay. Okay. It's so good. It tastes like cheese.
0: Let us, know in the, let us know in the comments if y'all are going to try any of this or maybe if they're already your favorites, but yeah. Okay. I'm going to get some of those out there. Uh, just so that you can be like, yeah, you can enjoy food. It's okay. And to share some of our favorites. So thank you for doing that. So what are your final words for everyone about toxic diet culture?
1: I would just say, if you and most people are a victim of the toxic diet culture, just understand that we all kind of fell victim to it. We all understand that it has not made positive impacts on us as a society as a whole and that it, it will take time to overcome it and just work through it. But you'll get to that point. You'll get to that space. It will be a conscious effort every day, but if you're into personal growth and just growing yourself as a person and um, which I just said that twice, if you're into yourself, just developing into the best version of yourself, um, understanding the root of, of all of this and just, I don't know, just here to let you know that you're not alone in the process and that a lot of us struggle with this, especially a lot of women who grew up in environments and homes where it was just normal to engage in the dieting, Um, but there's ways to overcome it and it it takes time and and just give yourself a lot of grace and compassion and some days are going to be easier and some days are going to be harder, but overall, just find ways to, to fuel yourself with good things that not just food, but with movement, with media, with books and all the different things just I have to filter myself from watching stuff that I know doesn't make me feel good about myself and that, that's helped me a lot
0: yeah I second all of that thank you for for sharing yeah I think my key takeaways on this conversation I was going to say yeah just know that I feel and I've this before we started we hit the record button I feel that this is something that has touched all of us to some degree um I don't want to say everyone, but i feel I feel okay in saying that like everyone, if that makes mm-hmm. sense like I don't want to you know put us all in the same the same bucket, but I feel that I mean I haven't spoken to one person ever who hasn't not been affected at some point in their life with either what they think that they should eat or how they think that they should look, um yeah, and usually it's a combination of both and so. My key takeaways for this um i hope that we have offered you like hannah said some feelings of you know not feeling like you're the only one and hopefully given you some tools and some avenues to explore if you are someone who has you know felt that you've really been impacted by this type of toxic diet culture um in the past and So, yeah, uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can definitely, you know, come to us. We are here. Um, I am a coach. Hannah, I know, is open to having conversations with people. And with that, know where can they find you? What do you have going on?
1: You can find me on TikTok is where I, like, have some cool stuff on there. I've got stuff about toxic diet culture and my fat camp experience experience on there. Um, It is at Hannah h-a-n-n-a-h elise a-l-y-s-e-e you can find me on there and what i got going on going to the beach upcoming and just a few trips coming up work is crazy but i got a lot of little fun little travels to get away and relax and spend time with family
0: that's so fun okay cool and i'll definitely make sure to link her in the description so that you can just tap on over and say hey either on tiktok um well, on TikTok, because that's where you said you should hang out at. So we'll we'll link you there. Um, So thank you for being here and for having this conversation and for your vulnerability. I want to make sure that I express that because I think that what we shared today are things that we've all kind of thought inside of our head and some similar experiences that, you know, we've all had. Obviously, your experience is unique and so is mine. So is everyone else's. But I think that and I hope that we shared some things today that people who are listening to watching can see. And again, just think like, oh yeah, like that reminds me of this time that, you know, something similar happened to me. So that you feel a little less alone in all of this. And something that I um, mentioned earlier and that Hannah spoke to is, you know, whenever we are in this position where, You know, people say, well, it's just because, like, you're not trying hard enough or you're not, like, doing the things. I think that, and I found that that's one of the reasons why people feel that self-help doesn't help them is because no one explains, you know, these things that are happening within your brain whenever you're actually moving through these personal development books and articles and things like that. And so that's something that I work with clients to do, and that's also why I created a series that is free. Um, that teaches you why the self help isn't helping. And you can find that over at when self help isn't helping.com. Just go to the website and you can learn more about it there. And if you got anything from our conversation today, please do us a favor and share it with someone so that they can too. And be sure to continue the conversation with us in the comments if you're here on YouTube, or you can slide into our DMs if you are listening on a podcast platform. And make sure to check out my stories. Um, for polls on Wednesday, because we are going to post some questions to hear about what your experience has been like with toxic diet culture, and you know how this episode is landing for you. And then make sure to join us on Friday for the after party. We're going to be going live on July fifteenth at three p.m. Eastern, and we're going to recap this episode, share what you had to say in the polls about toxic diet culture, and we're going to be answering any and all questions that you may have for us about toxic diet culture and if you would like we're also going to be doing some live coaching and giving you some feedback speaking with you directly either in the comments while we are live or if you're feeling frisky you can even come on screen with us and so that again is going to be july 15th at 3 p.m eastern happening over on my instagram at hey john and, Renee. and hannah is going to be joining me there so that's all we've got for you today thank you again for being here Thank you for listening and watching this educational conversation on some shit that we were someone would have told us about toxic diet culture. And, you know, we look forward to hearing what you have to say. And we'll see you soon. Thank you all.